0: Good evening, good morning, or good afternoon. I don't know when you're hearing this, but this is John Bowers, and welcome to Modern Grace. And we've been out, I've been out of touch for a little bit, kind of on hiatus. It's uh, it's a bit difficult sometimes to uh, do a daily show and put anything into it, let alone your all, when you don't really have any listeners. <laughs> so, uh, But the Lord told me that to keep on doing it regardless, and so that's what I'm going to keep doing. And each, I'm going to start uh, each. Each beginning of each podcast is going to be one chapter in the book of Ecclesiasticus. Now, this is from the Catholic Catholic Bible, which, if anybody uh, has any, you know, I don't know, uh, quirks about it, this, all of it lines up with the King James uh, version of the Bible. It's just got extra books, and they're and they're really really good. Uh, as you will find out, they correlate perfectly with the authorized version, I guess you could say. I'm not real familiar with how all that went. Um, but we're going to start off with the book of Ecclesiasticus, chapter 1. And I'm going to say it, it starts off the origin of wisdom. And so let us start here. And let us start with a prayer. And I hardly ever do this because I'm just sometimes just doing it quickly and and not really putting all into it. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask you to please uh, be with each person who's hearing this. Be with me as I give it. Lord, I thank you for the the materials you've given me to to have this podcast, and I thank you for not letting me give up. In Jesus' name, amen. Ecclesiasticus chapter 1, The Origin of Wisdom. All wisdom comes from the Lord. She is with him forever. The sands of the sea, the drops of rain, the days of eternity, who can count them? The height of the sky, the breadth of the earth, the depth of the abyss, who can explore them? Wisdom was created before everything. Prudent understanding subsists. From remotest ages. For whom has not, or excuse me, for whom has the root of wisdom ever been uncovered? Her resourceful ways, who knows them? One only is wise, terrible indeed, seated on his throne, the Lord. It was he who created, inspected, and weighed her up, and then poured her out on all his works as much to each living creature as he chose, bestowing her on those who love him. The Fear of God The fear of the Lord is glory and pride, happiness and a crown of joyfulness. The fear of the Lord gladdens the heart, giving happiness, joy, and long life. For those who fear the Lord, all will end well. On their dying day, they will be blessed. The basis of wisdom is to fear the Lord. She was created with the the faithful in their mother's womb. She has made a home in the human race, an age-old foundation, and to their descendants will she faithfully cling. The fullness of wisdom is to fear the Lord. She intoxicates them with her fruits. She fills their entire house with treasures and their storerooms with her produce. The crown of wisdom is to fear the Lord. She makes peace and health flourish. The Lord has seen and assessed her. He has showered down knowledge and intelligence. He has exalted the renown of, of those who possess her. The root of wisdom is to fear the Lord, and her branches are long life. Patience and self-control. The rage of the wicked cannot put him in the right, for the weight of his rage is his downfall. A A patient person puts up with things until the right time comes but his joy will break out in the end till the time comes he keeps his thoughts to himself and many a lip will affirm how wise he is wisdom and uprightness wisdom's treasuries contain the maxims of knowledge the sinner, however holds piety in abhorrence if you desire wisdom keep the commandments and the Lord will bestow it on you for the fear of the Lord is wisdom and instruction and what pleases him is faithfulness and gentleness do not stand out against the fear of the Lord do not practice it with a double heart do not act a part in public Keep watch over your lips. Do not grow too high and mighty, for fear you fall and cover yourself in disgrace. For the Lord would then reveal your secrets and overthrow you before the whole community, for not having practiced fear of the Lord and for having a heart full of deceit. Modern Grace. Living the Proverbs, day by day, for September 9th. Today's lesson from Proverbs comes from Proverbs chapter 13, verse 3. He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. This devotion is entitled, Dealing with Disappointment. And our scripture is from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. And to me, I'm going to stop right there for a minute. That means that they just, they felt like committing suicide. Now, I don't... If I'm wrong, let me know. But, I mean, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. We despaired even of life. So even the Apostle Paul, he got so down that at one point he was suicidal. That we should not trust in ourselves. Baha, here's the click. Yet we had the sentence of death in ourselves. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. From time to time, all of us face life-altering disappointments that leave us breathless. Oftentimes, these disappointments come unexpectedly, leaving us with more questions than answers. But even when we don't have all the answers, or for that matter, even when we don't seem to have any of the answers, God does. Whatever our circumstances, whether we stand atop the highest mountain or wander through the darkest valley, God is ready to protect us, to comfort us, and to heal us. Our task is just to let him. Utmost for His Highest for September 9th, this devotion is entitled, Do It Yourself. I've tried to do it myself. I had to call somebody to help me, (laughs) but in this, he's talking about something different. Do it yourself. Our scripture comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Determinedly, discipline other things. Excuse me. Determined, determined, and well, I should have just stopped right there. Determinedly, discipline other things. This is another difficult aspect of the strenuous nature of sainthood. Paul said, according to the Moffat translation of this verse, "I take every project prisoner, to make it obey Christ." So much Christian work today has never been disciplined, but has simply come into being by impulse. In our Lord's life, every project was disciplined to the will of his Father. There was never the slightest tendency to follow the impulse of his own will, as distinct from his Father's will. In John chapter 5, verse 19, he said, "...the Son can do nothing of himself." Then compare this with what we do. We take every thought or project that comes to us by impulse and jump into action immediately instead of imprisoning and dis- disciplining ourselves to obey Christ. Practical work for the Christian is greatly overemphasized today and the saints who are bringing every thought and project into captivity are criticized and told that they are not determined and that they lack zeal for God or zeal for the souls of others. But true determination and zeal are found in obeying God, not in the inclination to serve him that arises from our own undisciplined human nature. It is inconceivable, but true nevertheless, that saints are not, quote, bringing every thought and project into captivity but are simply doing work for God that has been instigated by their own human nature and has not been made spiritual through determined discipline. We have a tendency to forget that a person is not only committed to Jesus Christ for salvation, but is also committed responsible and accountable to Jesus Christ's view of God, the world, and of sin and the devil. This means that each person must recognize the responsibility to be transformed by the renewing of his mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Streams in the Desert for September 9th. Our scripture comes from Matthew chapter 13, verse 5 some seed fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow shallow from the context of the teaching of this parable it seems that we must have something to do with the depth of the soil the fruitful seed fell on quote good soil or good and honest hearts I suppose the shallow people are those who did not have much soil. Those who have no real purpose in life and are easily swayed by a tender appeal, a good sermon, or a simple melody. And at first, it seems as if they will amount to something for God. But because they, quote, do not have much soil, they have no depth or genuine purpose and no earnest desire to know his will in order to do it. Therefore, we should be careful to maintain the soil of our hearts. When a Roman soldier was told by his guide that if he insisted on taking a certain journey, it would probably be fatal, he answered, It is necessary for me to go. It is not necessary for me to live. That was true depth of conviction, and only when we are likewise convicted will our lives amount to something. But a shallow life lives on its impulses, impressions, intuitions, instincts, and largely on its circumstances. Those with profound character, however, look beyond all these and move steadily ahead, seeing the future where sorrow, seeming defeat, and failure would be reversed. They sail right through storm clouds into the bright sunshine, which always awaits them on the other side. Once God has deepened us, he can give us his deepest truths, his most profound secrets, and will trust us with greater power. Lord, lead us into the depths of your life and save us from a shallow existence. On to broader fields of holy vision, on to loftier heights of faith and love, onward, upward, apprehending holy, all for which he calls you from above. day by day for September 9th. This devotion is entitled Quality Obedience. And our scripture comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. He committed no sin. There are times when our inward desires do not match our outward conduct. We act very proper on the outside, but sin in our hearts. This was never the case with Jesus. Through one of the messianic, messianic psalms, he could say, this is Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. He not only perfect, perfectly obeyed the law of God, he always desired to do so, and in fact, delighted in doing it. Once he even said, My food is is to do the will of him who sent me. John chapter 4, verse 34. If we think about it, we realize that obedience that isn't delighted in is not perfect obedience. Yet that was the quality of obedience Jesus rendered throughout his life. In one of his many confrontations with his chief antagonists, the Jewish religious leaders, Jesus could unself consciously and without any pretentiousness, say, I always do what pleases the Father, John chapter 8, verse 29. Such a claim must include not only Jesus' outward actions and speech, but also his inward thoughts, such as Psalm 139, verses 1 through 4. Even more important, it must include his motives, for God not only knows our thoughts, but understands our motives as well. A little later, little later on in the same con- confrontation, Jesus asked, which one of you convicts me of sin? Jesus dared his critics to name a single sin he had committed, knowing full well how eager they would have been to do so if it were possible. It's no wonder that at the beginning of his ministry and again toward the end of it, A voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. The Gospel for Real Life.